Welcome to Hoof and Horn, a pagan podcast with T-Rex and Braxis Moodine, where we talk about paganism, witchcraft, music, the occult, and whatever else we want. Braxis. Hello, T-Rex, on this fine day. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Just fine. I feel like I should be taking off my shoes and putting on another pair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right? That's the way you do that. A nice little zip-up sweater that you take out of the closet. Yeah. I'll watch you tie your, your little your little kids you put on. Come here to the neighborhood. I'm sad he's gone, man. You I'm know? sad he's gone, too. We're all talking about Mr. Rogers, if anybody hasn't figured that out yet. Uh, won't you be my neighbor? I will be your neighbor. I would be his neighbor, for sure. I would definitely be his neighbor. I remember when we almost got to meet Mr. Rogers. What? Yep. Do I tell. worked at the World Trade Center Borders. I helped open up that store. And as in Borders Books? As in Borders Books. Yeah, World Trade Center... Borders books in the complex before the new World Trade Center complex. And Mr. Rogers was coming for a book signing, and it was just like a series of all us young adults that were out of our minds, so excited about it. Um, and I remember setting up the whole area and the signage and all that. And then Mr. Rogers got sick, and he didn't, it got canceled, and he didn't come, and then. A couple of years later, he passed away. That is terrible news. Yeah. We were all very sad. A very anticlimactic story. If I know, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But I almost met Mr. Rogers, but then he got sick and later on he died. You did start with almost <laughs> met. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Happy ending, you know. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a lot happier stuff. Sure. Maybe things about each other. So this is our first podcast. And while we have topics on the list, and we do, where's that? We do. I in my head. Okay. The topics are in my head. Um, not everybody knows who we are. True. And so, why don't we interview each other before we start interviewing other people and talking about preview our favorite witchy movies next episode? But now it's about getting to know Braxis and T. T-Rex in the howl. <laughs> yeah. So we have to pretend that we don't know each other. Right. And we don't know how each other got here. But Doctor who? Yeah. It's, it's going to be about amnesia. Okay. And so, I so guess I'll would... yeah, first start with how I got here, right? Sure. And then we're going to have a music break. Ooh. Yes. Like we're going to get some metal out. Nice. And then we'll have some music at the end, too. Okay. Yay. Um, so if I'm going to pretend that I don't know you, I guess my first question would be, where are you from? I... Well, okay. uh, what? let me start back again. And you can answer this however you want. What is your name, my dear? Well, my name is, is T. 
Right. Okay. Am I? I know you're not. Right. But am I? I that's up to you. I'm me, so you can be you if you need to be. Make it a big reveal later on. Sure. Okay. However you want to do it. That's fine. Nobody out there. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. However you want to do it. I'll just stick with T for now. All right. So I'm going to call you T-Rex, though. That's so fine. How's that going to work out? That's fine. You're going to be okay? And Mark Bolin of T-Rex is getting nominated I or inducted that. into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. So Hubcap Diamond Star Halo forever. Yeah, like a zebra furry coat. I have a cat dark. on my shoulder wearing my hat like a druid. It's, look it up, people of the Beltane. Mm-hmm. You knew what was up. So my label, maybe I'll talk about my labels. My pronouns yeah. are you got some? she, he, or she and her. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Sorry. She and her. Okay. What are your pronouns? They are he and him. Okay. And right. I guess I wear the label of witch and priestess. Hmm. I am from the East Coast. Or, I could not tell. I know. Couldn't tell. Most people can't. fucking bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was born on Long Island, New York, and I lived there till I was, I don't know, minus eight years ago, so for most of my life, and I was born into a Catholic family, but we were more like, we were more of the Christers, you know, Christmas, Easter, but we did make all of our sacraments up to a certain point, so wait, it's wait, baptized. Wait, wait, wait. What? You made your own sacrament? We made, made our sac like, and when you're Catholic, you are baptized, your Holy Communion, your Confirmation, one of the sacraments is marriage. It's like, you, you make, the, they're your cat, they're religious education. And so while we didn't go to church every Sunday, I did, I was baptized in the Catholic Church. I was, I made my first Holy Communion. I mean, a confirmation. What, what what's a Holy Communion, if I can ask? Maybe this is getting too it's in like, depth right here. Well, Maybe I should... No. It's all like the little first or second graders that are like, you know, what? you make your communion. Now it's now you're able to go up to the front when in a Catholic Mass and have, you know, the, the host and the, and, the, and the wine, I guess, when you're a little older. But you can take Holy Communion now. Okay. You can't do that up until you, hit the, you are baptized in the Catholic Church, but you don't make your holy. when It's the t- first time that you take the body of Christ, and it's a big thing. You yeah, have to yeah. go to, like, catechism classes. And what about and, the blood of Christ? Well, I guess there's Jews. I don't know. They're not going to give a whole bunch that. of like little second graders wine. Well, no, so maybe we I did. I don't remember. I was in second grade. Right. I'd have to look that up. Right. So you got baptized as an infant then? Yeah. Okay. I did not you know, know zero. That. Yeah. That's, yeah. I know there's baptisms in other Catholic or other Christian religions that it's later in the mm. childhood mm-hmm. where you have a little bit more knowledge. But in Catholicism, you're made a little Catholic upon your baptism, which is usually in the first few months of life. And you have a godparent. How'd you feel about that decision you made back then? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think how I look back on it is that I did not do that with my children. You know, they were not wickened. Right. They were. They didn't have a wickening. You know, I didn't have any kind of baptism for them. Um, you because know, you felt like... That they have their own, that's their choice where they want to go. You know, I, I had a, 
blessing ceremony and naming, I called it. That, yes, it was very kind of pagan in, in nature. You know, we did cast a circle and call the quarters and, you know, around. Uh-oh. Take out. We ought to take out, everyone. So let's pause, and then I'll get back to that. Um. We're back from our Pause. gastric break. Gastric? When you eat. Oh. We're back. <laughs> we ate our chicken. It was good. It was good. We were talking about not making my kids into little Wiccans. Yeah, you said you had a uh, naming ceremony. Yeah. You want to elaborate on that? Sure. I wrote a naming ceremony for each of them. He invited the family, friends, and it was basically a, a you know, official naming and a blessing for them from each of the elements, introducing them to the elements, asking the protection of the elemental guardians. And, you know, and part of it, they I uh, called upon the Norns from the the Norse uh, pantheon for mm-hmm. them to weave the skeins of my children's lives and keep them safe. So really, they're free to pursue whatever spiritual path that makes them happy. Um, they're, you know, they're teenagers at the moment, so they don't believe in anything. Um, you know, but it, it makes me a little bit sad sometimes. You know, like I feel like I should have involved them a little bit more, but they're also, you know, 13 and 14 years old. They're not concerned with that kind of stuff now. So they know what mom's about. They know what mom does. They obviously, um, have participated with me in the past, but, uh, you know, it's up to them. They won't want to turn to Catholicism or Buddhism or atheism i guess or agnosticism or pursue a pagan path they are free to do that just like you know i was free to do that to a degree too you know my parents were very accepting of my leaving catholicism and uh moving towards what made me happy in uh wicca and paganism i think that my parents and the boy's dad were the only uh, people that knew that I was pursuing that and investigating that uh, avenue for a good year before I said anything even to, you know, my best friend. Um, it was the late 90s, and it was, you know, the craft had been out, although I did not base my turning to paganism over the craft. I think that's what you just said. No, I did not. The movie, <laughs> the craft was out, but I did not. That was not something that I saw and was like, oh, let me go pursue and check this out. No, I'm a little bit older than, than that. So. Uh, what? Look, can you, who's in the craft? Oh, Feruza Balks and that. It's the four girls in high school. and the. Oh, know, okay, the okay, I'm with craft. you. Got you. All right, go ahead. Um, It's not charmed or... Right, I think that's right. what I was thinking. Yeah, you were thinking about that, but no. Um, yeah, they were very accepting of, of my pursuing that. I think that they may have thought 
that it was a little bit Tamara's just, you know, playing around. Um, because when I did have Aiden, my mom was like, you sure that maybe, maybe you should have a baptism, like in the church. Right. And I just thought, what? Because it, I'd been, you know, practicing for a good seven, eight years before, before he ever came along. And I just thought, N- what are you talking about, mom? No, I'm not. Just to be safe? About right. what? Like, what the expectation of the family, you know, Italian Catholic family. But I just said, no, that's that's not what we're going to do. We're going to have something for him, but not then, you know. And I feel like for their other grandparents, that was the first time that they cracked the book that I got them. Is such a funny title. It's really good and really written really well for Christians. It was... Um, when someone you love is Wiccan. That's the title of it. <laughs> and when we would visit, you know, I, I noticed that that book had not, the, the, the spine in that book had not bent, right. you know. But after the first baby came, I saw that the spine in that book had definitely bent. So it was once children showed up that people got a little bit concerned. But I think, you know, I, I waited for their other grandparents to come and, and meet Aiden and it was around Beltane-ish springtime, and, you know, some of my mom's sisters were there, and, of course, my parents and my brothers and, and the other grandparents were there, and it was really nice, and everybody, I think, took a sigh of, like, okay, this is not anything maybe we, we thought that this was. So a baby blessing at the same time of kind of showing them what I was doing at the time, and I've never, I've been blessed you know, and I know that there are definitely people that have a really hard time with their families of origin and the religions of origin and, and, and them coming out as pagan or Wiccan or some kind of magical practitioner and it not going over well. Um, that didn't happen for me. So I'm just thankful for that. Um, I think eclectic Wicca was my path for quite a number of years. I learned and read a bunch for the first year and then realized that I I needed some help and I needed some people to show me what was up. And um, I sought out a coven and it was really bad. Let's go back just a little bit. Uh, What was the first book that you the first did you book say I why read? Yeah. No. <laughs> what did I do the first book I read so my coming home book was the power of the witch by Lori Cabot okay. I read it a friend had given it to me in high school and I'm pretty sure I read it in high school but it really didn't I was in high school other things that you're worried about and doing in high school sure um and then I, you know, went to five years of art school and things were occurring towards that last year that were sort of like little nudges and little pokes about um, spiritual life and, and, and magic and, you know, psychic intuition that were happening. But I knew that I could not focus on 
what I needed to focus on for that while also being a full-time art student and having a, you know, a job pretty much full-time because art school is really expensive. Um, and so I worked a lot and I promised myself that once I graduated, I would look into this and see what was up. And so on my, uh, hour long, you know, Long Island railroad trip into Manhattan, because now I was living on Long Island again, instead of the city, I pulled the power of the witch off the bookshelf again. And the second time I read it, it was a lot of pagans have this coming home. Like I came home when I read this or saw this. And that was, that was my moment. Like I wanted to lean over to the person in the seat, the, the commuter train, be like, could you read this passage? Cause this passage is amazing, but it's just for me. It's this, Oh my goodness. Kind of moment. And, uh, I was off like a bullet train from there. Well, uh, I was just going to say that there's something to be said for not jamming something down their throats here. Children seems like oh. when that happens, it always has the opposite effect of, you know, what the intent is. Yeah. And I'm sure you're going to talk about some of that shortly. Maybe. Uh, did you have an individual ceremony for each one of those or uh, each one of yeah. your kids? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were probably with under a year old when I, when I did those. Um, so they each have a, a little journal. Mm-hmm. that I wrote, I hand wrote their ritual in that journal thinking like maybe this will one day be their little book of shadows or something, you know? Um, and so I'll give that to them when they get older so they can read through the ritual that was done mm-hmm. in their naming ceremony. Um, and maybe they'll never find anything else in that book, but it is written down for them. That's cool. And so they were, they were, it was kind of the same for both of them, but obviously you know, two different names, two different kids. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so then you said that you read through that book a second time. Yeah. And I think you were about to say that you looked for or found a coven. It did. Um, witch Box, which just recently closed down. And that's a coven? Um, no. Witch okay. Box was the website, uh, uh, you know. So now it's about 1998. Um What's on the radio? In 98? Oh, yeah. I don't know. What's on the radio? It's uh-huh. grunge, man. Right? Yeah. Kurt Cobain was already passed. That was 93, I think. Yeah. Right? 93 or 94. Someplace 94. in there. I remember exactly where I was standing. I was in the dark room entrance to when I was in college, and it was went through the, through the school. But, um, yeah. I sought out some help from a, I went and met with a priest, a high priestess and a high priest. Um, are you looking up 90s hit, 98 hits? Together oh Again God. by Janet, Janet Jackson. Jackson. That's a good one. That's about Candle in the Wind. AIDS. That's about what? People lost to AIDS. Oh. That's what she wrote that about for friends that, uh, Died of AIDS-related causes. Wasn't Candle in the Wind about Princess Diane? Uh, it's about Marilyn Monroe. Oh. But then they he redid that. Um, I won't play it. Can we play? We can't play it. No. 
Um, he redid it when Princess Diana died. But we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we can. We absolutely can talk about it. He redid it. Oh, No, No, No by Destiny's Child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, wait. Getting jiggy with it. Oh, nice. Na, 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 You know what's up. You know what's up. I'm looking for something that we actually might have heard. I don't want to miss a thing. We love Aerosmith. Oh, too. yeah, that's it. Um, Sex and Candy from Marcy Playground. Wow. That's the that only song they've ever had, man. Oh, yeah. Um, tub Thumping. <laughs> what? <Jumbo Lumba>. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 98 was not the greatest year Maybe for seeking oh, out yeah. good music, and it was also not a good year to go out and look for a coven. It really wasn't. Janet Jackson, I Get Lonely. I don't know that song. That's when you were thinking of when you were looking for that cover. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Um, just going down 98 here. I don't Nothing else, really. That's funny. So why don't you continue your story? Thanks. <laughs> hey, so bass, hold up. Oh, it's, what's the, it's not Cruel Summer. What's the one that know everybody that one. knows? Yeah, what's the one that everybody knows, though? I don't know the name of that song. Ah, crap. Ghetto Superstar, though. It's pretty good. Maya was in that. Holy Ghetto crap. Ghetto Superstar. Puff Daddy. That is what you are. And the family? I, I never knew that happened. I never knew that took place. And Can the we family. move off the 1998 yep, sorry. right now? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, 98. Coven. Yep. How'd you find it? Witch Fox, like I said. Oh, right. Yep. And so tell me that process of that. I mean... I went to their house one night. No, no, no. So what? what was the process before you you had to get the address from them? You had to talk to them? How did you... Yeah, through email. Okay. And they were just yeah. like, yeah, we're coming. Over, yeah. And they, I went to her, to their house. They were a married couple um, and met the two of them and talked to them. And um, First impressions? First impressions when I opened the door was it reeked like cigarette smoke. And I was like, oh, damn it. I hate that. And... Yet, I wanted more knowledge and instruction, so I was like, you'll have to deal with this that mm-hmm. I really don't like to in order to learn. Um, so I made that first sacrifice, you know, and then they invited me back when the coven was there, and that was the process. That was it. Like, now Tamara's part of the coven. Wow. And as you well know, for our coven, we have a different long process and that is based on the experience that i had because it was a year of massive abuse um the high priestess of that coven has passed away in the last year um and while i held for a really long time a lot of anger and resentment over that experience um what i did leave with was knowing exactly what I would never do or be if I ever was ordained or initiated as a high priestess. There was zero training there. You do not read just a couple of books and say, I know as much as a third degree, so therefore I call myself a high priestess. Um, It just doesn't work that way. But I didn't know enough at the time. Um, I was brand new. And so... There was a lot of uh, manipulation and, you know, working for somebody's business for free and doing yard work and cleaning the boat. We had to be there all day. We had house chores. It was ridiculous. And um, 
I do have like some regrets about it, but again, I, I think the day that I knew what we had to go was the day that I said to myself when she was angry that someone didn't feel good and didn't want to go out on the boat to go fishing. And I thought to myself, I hate you. And I knew that I couldn't enter a circle with her again because then I was not entering in perfect love and perfect trust. And I, now I, I, I preface that or, or around that, I, I don't know that there is such a thing as perfect love except for your children maybe. And I don't know that there is such a thing as perfect trust, but we can, their goals, you know, like ideals. But if I can't trust you and I don't love you, I can never practice with you again. And so I, I stayed for that day because I let Aiden and Kieran's dad take advantage of going out on that boat and going fishing because the man earned it. He was in that situation with me too and massively abused alongside me too. And so it was like, I'm going to use this day for this. And then we're out. And it, it was, it was difficult to, to get out of. I, 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 like I said before, I worked a full-time job and went to full-time college and art school. And I was never as tired as I was the day we walked away from that situation, um, ran really away from that situation with some support from people we'd met in the pagan community on Long Island. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really bad. So um, she had to do them labor basically, right? Yes. We had full moon circles around the dining room table where she also drank coffee and smoked cigarettes because the goddess said it was okay for her to do that. During ritual? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were doing, we were doing physical labor because if she was going to teach us, we were going to, we were going to pay for that via mm -hmm. our working on her, you know, online business and cleaning the house and working in the yard. And was this one that, that required a, a black cloak? Yeah. So we were, we had to shower when we got there. Um, everybody, it was a robed, um, rituals. And the year that I was there, we, we meditated as a group one time. Wow. Yeah. Well, when there, and you know, when there is no education towards, you know, how do you lead a coven? How, what does, what is the, the job of a high priestess? You know, we worked through Uncle Buck's Big Blue Book, you know, Ray Buckland's right. book. Like, we did that all together. But it was, um, like I said, it, it, it showed me what I was not going to be when I, or if I ever became a, a high priestess. And then I, you know, I moved on from there and met some really great people and practiced in other groups, um, open Long Island reclaiming community was, was pretty great. And then, um, went solitary again for a while. And when I felt lonely, I, uh, had reached out to Janet and Gavin, uh, Janet Farah and Gavin Bone, who are some teachers of mine for a bit and just asked them if they had any connections in the area that I lived in. And that's how I met my high priestess, Courtney Weber. And 
Novices of the Old Ways was starting up in New York City, and so I was part of the forming of the first Novices Coven, the Lunar Temple, and had told, you know, told her straight away that I, I was looking for an initiation or, or I'm a double Capricorn. <laughs> and so if I could go to school for the rest of my natural life, I would do that. I love a class. I love homework. I love all that stuff. I like structure. And so it just seemed like uh, I was, that's what I needed to do. Um, our, our structure is different. It's not a degree system. Um, our, what we call votary training and votary system to becoming ordained as a priest or priestess of a particular deity. And so I am an ordained priestess of Hecate or Hecate, um, and high priestess with the novices of the old ways. Um, outing myself a little bit there. Can you, uh, roll, roll. can you <laughs> talk about, um, why you chose Hecate? I didn't. She chose me. People are like, what do you mean? You made a choice. I mean, of course I did, but not at first. No, if uh, I would, I would have thought that I would have gone the route of the Egyptian pantheon. Um, Isis always being, I always looked at as as my mother. She was always my favorite. The Egyptian pantheon was always my favorite, favorite, favorite from like remember seventh grade and on just living for it because of the cats. I don't know. just because of, because like they, I was just so enamored and taken with it and love, love, loved them and studied the history and all the magic and all of that. And it was a, we, I don't know that we were, had formed the coven yet. I don't remember, but I remember sitting on the on the on the couch after ritual and uh, looking at at someone who was there and and she's a comedic priestess, um, water woman, drummer, amazing lady, queen mother Maku, and I had this feeling like that's not your path, and it was really hard for me to sit there and think that, and I and maybe there was a part of me that was like holding myself up against that, but. The next thing I knew, it was almost like Courtney was reading my mind because she said something to me like, oh, you're Hecate's girl. And I literally looked over my shoulder thinking she's got to be talking to somebody behind me because in the 12 years at that time, you know, 2008, nine, I had never worked with Hecate privately in any coven I'd been in, any open circle, public gathering, nothing. And I just thought, yeah, okay. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. And it was actually at a, at a, at a birth that I was supporting that some things were going on. And I, and I thought of what Courtney had said to me and I called out to, in my mind, obviously not out loud, um, in the birth room there, but really, to, you know, de definitely didn't do that. <laughs> People might think I do, but I don't do that. Um, reached out to Hecate, you know, and just said, if this is true and Courtney is right about this, then I need you right now. And some stuff happened and we had a great birth and it went the right way. And it was, a, it was going downhill. Um, and so that's when I kind of started to really give that a little bit of thought and explored it. 
and then made the choice that, all right, I'm going to go this route. It, uh, it was a struggle for me for leading up to it. It was a struggle for me, you know, two years through that three and a half year program of what did I do? Did I, did I, did I choose right? I don't love her the way I love ISIS, you know, and, uh, I had to have a, I think I, ISIS and, and Hakate called me to sit down one day because <laughs> I was probably really, really annoying <laughs> even to them and stressing in front of my altar and like, really like, I don't know if this is, do I stop doing this? Do I, if I will have wasted my time if I stop, do then I start again? What do I do? And they, it was like, they, they sort of like appeared and leaned over the altar at me and were like, okay, how about this? Priestess of Hecate, daughter of Isis. Yeah. 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 And I had this little moment of like, oh my God. Yeah. And then they were like, good, good, God damn it. And then they just sort of like, they just, they were left that meditation. And of course I expressed this to my, to my priestess. And so when I was ordained, that was, that was part of it. And, and the way that I look at it is as a, as a woman, you know, we all have a mom, right? Like literally, but sometimes we have to sort of cut our strings, our apron strings from our mother and then go and do work for someone else. So Isis will always be my mother. I work for Hecate. Seems like a reasonable compromise. You know, I've been rolling ever since. So how many years now is that that you've been a priestess of Hecate? Oh, 15, 16, 17. This is going on my sixth year. Mm. I think, yeah. So, well, ordained. Um, nine years working with her. The magical nine. Mm. It is magical. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, in my birth work that I work for her and then also in um, working with people in prison, which I've done since my votary training. I think I'm going on eight years in there too. Um, and I feel like it's a very liminal place and everybody's in an adult timeout, you know? Very to me, I see the similarities of when Hakate walks Persephone down to the underworld and then walks her back out. Um, I walk with these people through this underworld's time of being in prison, and then help them prepare to go home. Sometimes it's a long time. Sometimes I only know them for a short time. Um, sometimes I see them when they are home, um, but. It's in that liminal space of prison that I find Hecate present and do that work for and with her. How long have you been doing that? I said eight years. Going to the prisons? Yeah. Really? When I first, when I moved here, part of our, our votary training, it is inner work, but it's also community-based, you know, so your community, your priestess or priest in the community that you live in and that can be pagan community, but it can also be the wider community. And I was new here, so I don't even know the community. And it was, uh, I went to one of the pagan pride days, you know, Broad Ripple, because we are in Indianapolis area, um, and came across the Indianapolis pagan prison ministry table. And, you know, I needed a community 
based project. And so I picked up that brochure and realized that um, when I still lived on Long Island, I watched this show so over the moon about this show. Like I watched every episode. It was on the the OWN network, Oprah's network. And it was called uh, Breaking Down the Bars. And it took place at Rockville. And I was like, oh, this is from Indiana, you know, and the boy's dad's from Indiana, so connection to Indiana. This is not far from where, you know, he lived. And I watched all this episode, just life in this women's prison. And when I get here and I find this prison ministry and they had a need and Rockville's pagan community, the women there, were had been asking for multiple years for someone to go there but nobody from Indianapolis wanted to go drive out to Rockville it's over an hour away and and maybe couldn't drive out there so they that that group there were eight of them that first Beltane that I went there they were only allowed to meet together once a year for about a half an hour um and I started out at the men's prison just to get a little acclimated to what it is like in, in prison um, with both the Wiccan and the Satru. And when I, <laughs> a lot of free judgments on my part when I walked into the group of the Satru guys, but um, yeah, it's ever, ever since then. So 2012 and it's 2020 at the moment. So we're going on that, that amount of time. It's quite some time. It is. I love it. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm sure they're very appreciative. I think so. Uh, have you ran any to any, you know, let's let's hear a crazy story from, from all the from in, in prison. Eight, yeah, in eight years there had to have been. Sure. Something. Like I had said, I, I had a lot of uh, judgment when I walked into the Osetru circle. So. Rockville is a women's prison. Putnamville is a men's prison. They have separate uh, groups for the Wiccan circle and the and the Ossetru. and then and and Wicca, quote unquote, you know, it's the the terminology that the state understands. Um, it's open to any kind of pagan, neo pagan, Wiccan, magical practitioner. There's even some Ossetru guys that go to Wicca, and they also do Ossetru. Um But I walked in there, and they were like twenty dudes you know skinheads a lot of them a lot of tattoos big guys and i thought what did i get myself into and we went up you know it was uh, in uh, in in the area and i remember the chaplain just telling me i I had no training at this point (laughs) zero he was just kind of like sign this and uh don't leave your pen behind because somebody could use that as a weapon and then you're in trouble and so I was just sitting in this group of these guys with tattoos that were really, some of them really offensive, you know, portraits of, of Hitler and swastikas and one guy had white power written across. And I thought, this is so against everything that I believe. What am I doing here? Um, and the offender leader of that group was talking and he was preparing soon to go home. And he'd been there. He was almost 30 and he'd been sent to prison when he was 18 years old and he said something to the effect of uh 
I'm getting, uh, I've been here since I'm 18, I'm almost 30, and, I, and I'm getting ready to go home, and, and, I, and I thought maybe I'd be here forever, and when I got here, I was more like, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't give a shit, you know, fuck this place, fuck everything, and I got a lot of these tattoos, and now I'm getting ready to go home, and I've got a lot of these tattoos, and I thought, I don't know what it's like to live in prison. I may have walked in and out of prisons for eight years. I don't know what it's like to live there. I don't know what it's like to be a man in a men's prison. And maybe I would make some decisions if I was in prison that would keep me alive, keep me safe. I've been in the prison when there's been stabbings. I know that people in my circle have died. So... While there are some political views in certain groups in there that I find abhorrent, for the most part, they kept those things separate from their, their religions. And maybe some of them did some stupid things while they were in there and got tattoos that are now, then that they even find like, this is problematic now, you know, like maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, we made a big point to make that, 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 that circle will always be universal and not folkish. And what that means is anybody is welcome. If the, if the gods are calling someone to attend Asichu, it does not matter what color or nationality that they are, they are allowed to be in here. And I don't care if you're part of the Aryan Brotherhood, you better keep it out of this, out of this place. You know, it was, it was pretty, it was like I saw, I felt like a very sheltered Long Island girl when I sat in amongst them. But I also knew that there was no place safer for me than that circle. And I did not think that walking in, I thought like I am in danger, you know, but uh, uh, it's just after two or three times in being with them, I realized if anything were to happen in here, this is the safest place for me to be because they were always very, very respectful of me. Uh, very appreciative of the time that I would spend away from my children to be in there with them and help them. Um, and if I can even shed a little bit of light on maybe some of these, these views that are, are wrong, if they ever came up, then I, then I did something and made some effect. But uh, overall, it's really not been that crazy in, in prison. I feel like people that are going to religious services while they're in prison are looking for transformation and to make change in their lives and are, and are trying, you know, mm -hmm. um, maybe I've told you things over the years that you're thinking of that I can't remember, but I really not, not too much pr problems. Um, Other than the, or the story of the bad juju. Oh, from staff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. got to correct himself. I didn't get her fired. She got herself fired. I didn't even say anything, but Yeah. You can't treat a volunteer bad and say, right. if I touch your stuff, am I going to get them bad juju? Are you going to turn me green? Yeah, sorry. She doesn't have a job anymore. How about we have a musical break and then talk about you? Excellent idea. Sweet. What's Already the name said. of this band? Parenchyma? Sure. Yeah. This is a band, Parenchyma. Songs called Idealogue.
That was some serious metal. That was. That was a band called Parenchyma, I believe. It's one of my favorite ones. It's a good one. It's a good one. I like to play it really loud in my car. It's always good to play it loud. Mm. I listened back earlier um, to our first segment. And I realized, I made this big production in the beginning of just calling me T, but while talking to myself, I named myself twice. So they're like Easter eggs in, right. our, <laughs> in the first episode. You can hunt a town. There's secrets. <laughs> Breadcrumbs. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's your turn, Braxis. Okay. For us to find out how you got to this place at the base of the couch here. Sure. On this podcast. Uh, ask away, I guess, then. So, who are you? Where are you from? Braxis Mudai. And I'm from a small town in Indiana. And I've got a few siblings. And grew up as a uh, Jehovah's Witness. That is quite interesting. That is quite interesting. I realized that I didn't know any Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I, I figured there's probably are Jehovah's Witnesses in New York. I'm not saying that there aren't, but before um, knowing you, I never knew anybody who was Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, I think there was only like two or three in my entire school. Oh, really? Yeah, because they're mostly old people. And... <laughs> oh, there weren't a lot of people that had families with children that you <clears throat> there were but not scattered enough around that there was a lot in any place so we were all in different counties or whatever whatever and we just meet at the kingdom hall as they would go so tell me what that was like um pretty restrictive man pretty uh restrictive and i think my parents probably weren't as strict as other parents were um we got to do stuff like they be- weren't yeah i mean okay. for the most part you wouldn't normally probably be able to be in a play for your school. Really? Um, yeah. Um, because? Bad association spoils useful habits. Well, for free walking. That's their go-to. Bad associations. Spoils useful habits. That's what they <clears throat> quote to kind of keep you in the circle and never to go out of it. Okay. Because um, not only is the outside circle worldly, but it spoils useful habits. Um, so yeah, pretty restrictive. But they weren't. But so like you not, were able to play an instrument. Yes. To... Yeah. Was able to play a musical instrument. I mean, I didn't do that for school or anything like that. Um, you know, they really frown upon like activities, you know, that just involve worldly people. So I mean, even having your friend over to spend the night you'd probably have to choose from a pool from your congregation or whatever. So if you weren't really friends with any of those kids or didn't like those kids, you weren't spending the night with nobody and they weren't spending no night with you. But my parents, you know, are neighbors that they knew really well. I mean, it wasn't like they didn't know them at all. They spent the night at my house and I spent the night at their house. But, and I would say for the most part, they spent the night at my house. But I was just thinking about this earlier when we knew we were going to do this and just kind of thought of the little things that I hear about, you know, other witnesses had to go through that were much stricter than that of not being able to do 
any outside, you know, activity that involved worldly people or even never being to hang out with worldly people, as they'd say, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I bet, I bet it's very hard to have that happen, though, when no witnesses live around you. There's, you know, 15 boys. You have, you know, some boys and just at that age of 13, 12. Well, yeah, how are you going to stop Interacting. That? Right. So uh, it could have been worse. Um, you know, the usual Jehovah's Witness stuff where you can't celebrate birthdays and Christmas and Halloween or any of that stuff because all of it's, you know, to them, devil shit and pagan stuff. Which they're partly right on that, but they don't—they don't know that. I mean, the reason they don't celebrate birthdays is because some stuff in the Bible happened on the two birthdays that are mentioned. I think two people died, and so they swore off birthdays altogether. Stop. Yeah, um, I so think it makes me so sad, though. I can't imagine, you know, what I've done for my own kids' birthdays and making cakes and like, woo, first birthday, and that that didn't, didn't happen, happen for you no, guys. So, do you feel like? Your family now makes any, like, birthdays are more special now that you, I mean, your parents are still witnesses. Right. What about uh, the rest of your family? Well, we're all, you know, for the most part grown up, so I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> Let's clarify so... that that was the dog toy. <laughs> She's digging into Go ahead leg. and do it again so they know it's on command. Here we can do it. There we go. This could be like a, a thing. You're right. Whenever Zoe's got something to say, that's what she'll do right there. <laughs> oh, she's about to. Sorry. That's okay. Now you're you're more adults, but you're. So I think it's so... just that we appreciate just the time to get together as a family. I don't think it has much to do with anything other than that. You know, it's just time that we can For all sure. be together. Which is what a birthday party is. Right. But if you weren't if you weren't allowed to do that. I don't feel like anybody, I mean, we're all older too, so it's not like birthdays are a big deal to us at all. Mm -hmm. I guess. And we, st but we all still, you know, buy each other gifts and stuff. Um, yeah, grew up doing that, going out in service. And that means knocking on the door on a Sunday yeah, that or a means, Saturday. Or, or any day, day of the week day. that you pick, really. Um, but mostly Saturday or Sunday um, for those of us who were in school. And that's always fun to, you know, knock on the door and then the door opens and it's somebody you know in from your school. school. Right. And then you got to spew this, oh. whatever, and tell them that, you know, let me come to your house and knock on your door and tell me what you, tell you that what you believe is wrong. And even worse when it was like a girl that you liked or uh, a kid who was, who you didn't like, you know, because now they got some fuel when you're back at school the next oh. day, you're just like peeing Stop. your pants the entire time. Like. Who, what's he going to say about all that, you know? And were you with, like, your parents when you would do this door-to-door -door thing? <laughs> other people? <laughs> yes, dude, yeah. With your parents? Yeah, either my parents or some other elder in it. But then you get to the age where, you know, it'd be me and another kid of the same age. Um, but what's funny is the kid that I... What, almost the only... There was probably, like, three kids that were all the same age and, you know three years above or below, you know, between my siblings or whatever, and these other people who went to the congregation. So there's really only one kid that I always ended up, and his dad was an elder, so he was at everything, you know, that was going on with that. So I'd see him out in service and stuff. But he got to the point where his 
thing was to make fun of people and he was hilarious at it and we would walk up to the front door and he would just be saying stuff under his breath about their house about i mean the guy should have became a comedian he probably did not but that would have been his i mean he was so funny and not in a like gross mean way it was just the obvious of things mm-hmm. and it was very hilarious maybe how he was able to cope with what he had to his do. dad was super sarcastic the whole family was super mm-hmm. sarcastic to be honest uh but he he just had this knack for doing it and he would say it to you while you were at the door with the per you know there's an old lady in front of you and you're trying to spout off these bible things you know whatever and it kind of sucks because it's all scripted. So if they go off script, if they ask a question that somebody didn't ask, you're kind of hemming and hauling and being like, well, go to this thing in here or, you know, let me get an elder up here to figure it out or whatever. So it kind of sucked when they went off. So I never, I would just kind of stick to the plan the entire time. So nothing else had to get involved. And I'd just say thanks for your time at the end of it. If they, you know, had more questions that I couldn't answer, you know, come to the hall and figure it out. I don't know, man. But he would say stuff under his breath right in front of him that would just get you to be laughing while you're doing it. It was just hilarious. It it, it was very, uh, anxiety level was pretty high because you're talking to somebody yeah. that you've never met before. Yeah. And then you got this guy knowing, Making you laugh. but we did it to each other. You know, it was kind of this thing of how we're going to get through of this thing because we were high school kids. What say, high school boy wants to go and knock on doors and have a conversation? You I know? can't even get my kids to take a regular shower. I don't even yeah. know how they got you guys to do that. And then we're talking about <laughs> things that I can't prove to them, you know, uh, invisible things, you know, it's just yeah. unbelievable. So why are you not a witness anymore? Um, because I feel like I feel like all the old books, no offense to any of them, but they're all <clears throat> told by people of a primitive mind, sort of, you know. I mean, I know there were advancements that they had, but they maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. I think they explained things in story form. You know what I mean? They made explanations for things and not to say that those things aren't real because they all believed in them but i don't think that you have to sacrifice your life to them because they made these things but there's uh you know it's all stuff that if when you look around at reality you don't see you know i don't see it's because it's like literal taking it literally instead of taking it that you know if everyone and this is what i've learned and or heard that when these stories were written down, everyone knew that they were stories to teach a lesson or some kind of moral. Right. And it's different if you sit there and look at it. Like if we look at one of the myths, I'm not thinking that we really think that, you know, the way Artemis and Apollo were born on a floating island that was in the mom, you know, like that, that's such a story. Right. It can be, tell us about those gods. Right. But we know that mythology is to is just look deeper in that, and we understand that it's myth. It doesn't take away the power of the myth. Absolutely, but, that's the part right there that they. You know, and then maybe it's the difference of taking this so literally, and not understanding that it was supposed to. Well, be then they story. kind of pick and choose which ones they want to take literal and which ones are parables or you know mm-hmm. the mysteries or or whatever. But yeah, I just found that all of them have you know, fairy tale like qualities to them, no matter what it is. Uh, somebody rising from the dead, I've never seen that. A donkey talking, I've never seen that. A snake talking, never seen that. And uh, most of the 
you know, ancient books have hints about ways that I wouldn't agree with, you know, on how to treat people, you know, uh, condemning slavery, uh, mistreatment of women, um, just things that you look around now. I mean, wiping out an entire city because God said so, or, you know, or the prophet said that God said so or whatever. And you take out women and children and then they wrote about it. I mean, it's not like you can't look in there in any of them and find those spots. And to me, that just seems like if, <laughs> sorry, if God was going to say something and had something to say, he, you know, uh, I'm not saying that that's what I believe. I'm just, if this God wrote a book, then you're probably believing that that same God created the universe yet had to have these ignorant human beings who he knew were imperfect and could see the future in the past knew that they were going to mess it up. You know what I mean? Over the years and years of translation and transcribing. And, um, it just seems like that is a piss poor way to get us to find out what it is you want us to do or need us to do or who you are or what you are. It just, it seems very convenient that he decided to write this book and then walk away because now we have no way to, or, you know, any of them, there's no way to prove any of that. You know, yeah. if he showed up every 50 years and was like, Hey, I'm this guy or that girl. And, uh, this is what I'd like from you. Then we would all be like, not running around saying faith is what I believe in when faith is not a device to find out the truth. If I have faith, aliens are out there and abducted me, you know, I could write that down, but that doesn't make it true. But I have faith that that happened. There's people out there who are doing that. Mm -hmm. I don't see any difference in that. And the faith people say I have faith in God or, you know, whatever religion they have, that is no mechanism to get to what the truth is. If, if that can happen, if one person can say this and another person can say that and they both be based on faith, then you really got to start looking under the scrolls and getting close to the details. Well, I agree. Zoe. I think Zoe thinks, yep, she is definitely all about looking under the scrolls. There might be a Jehovah's Witness at the door. <laughs> <laughs> We're all good now. We dealt with the Jehovah's Witnesses right. at the door. It's all good. Thank you for letting us know they were here, Zoe. So going down so, yeah. that same road there where I was kind of at. <laughs> oh, she's not digging it. Like next year, we're going to look back at this first episode and be like, good God. It's choppy. We don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere, I guess. My interest is like you went from this kid who was knocking on the doors and doing this witnessing thing. What is it called when you knock on the door like that? Uh, going out in service. Going out in service. And then you were, well, yes, I get that is proselytizing. Um, but going out in service and then all of a sudden, like, where did that break happen for you to this person or this? How old were you when you stopped uh, what was, was going on i was probably like 16 when none of it i mean none of it really ever made sense to me i don't feel like you know i just how did noah get all the animals on the ark you know how well did, i asked that as a catholic kid too <laughs> right how, how did this guy live in some fish's 
whale or big fish's belly for three days and not, you know, just weird stuff like that never made sense to me. And then you come home and you read um, Lord of the Rings and it just, you know, books like that, you know, Dr. Seuss for if, if you want, man, it just it had the same fairy tale quality to him, you know, uh, Santa Claus not being a, or being a real guy, you know, look at Jesus, you know, just anyways. So I just got to the point where I got more interested in the girls than I did. Mm -hmm. And my musical instrument than I did that. Uh, and I just played the part, you know, but it's, I mean, I was putting on different clothes on the school bus, you know, on the way to school and then taking them off, putting them in my backpack when I got off, you know, just trying to keep your hair as long as possible, but back, you know, all aquanetted back in the day <laughs> so that it didn't look long, you know, but you've been over to pick up your Bible and a long strand comes down over your face and you're like, fuck, because <laughs> some elders looking at you, your dad or whatever, man. Um, so, yeah, probably about, I just, 17, 16, somewhere in there, I got more interested in girls, and there was a girl that was interested in me, and so that just became more paramount than anything else. Yeah. And then when I found out, when I started breaking the rules, that they really couldn't do anything to me. You know, I was baptized, so they could have disfellowshipped me or whatever, but, I mean, when you're presented with you know, elders talking to you about whatever, you're just lying. You're just telling them whatever it is that you think they want to hear, you know? Um, I didn't think it was any of their fucking business who, who or what or where or when I was doing, you know? Um, so maybe that helped me out getting that, you know, about that age or whatever and just being like, I, you know, it's kind of like when you build your parents up as the sun and the moon and then when you move out of the house and, you know, you, you kind of realize they're just people, man. Right. They're just fucking people. Right. And so it was kind of the same way with these, you Possibility know, to control you. Elders. You realized when you were that age. Exactly. Okay. Um, and then what did you, you do? I got married and then got divorced and then got married again. And in that time, um, got disfellowshipped, got reinstated. And, and you that disfellowshipped means because... Because I had lied about whether me and this, my first wife, had had, you know, intercourse before we married. got married, right? So uh, I think what happened is we, like, got in a fight or something. She got real mad at me and decided to tell on us. But she wasn't baptized, so nothing was really going to happen to her. But something was going to happen to me. And that meant that, you know, my parents and... I don't think my siblings were around... Really, at that time, grown up and out of the house and stuff. So, um, when I got disfellowshipped, uh, I played the game. I said the things I thought they wanted to hear, and I only did this because I knew that my parents wouldn't be able to talk to me anymore. You know, and I, that's kind of a, I don't know, thing. I so guess. So, when a child gets disfellowshipped. The parents anybody yeah and anybody. all your friends i mean because they keep you in this tight circle so as soon as that's cut away you have no real way to deal with the world you know and everybody thinks it's because oh they were right you know we we needed to be in this circle it's just you were not given the tools to deal with a real world if they had given you the tools to deal with the world real world you'd be like this is how it always is this is how we cope with it 
instead of having this, you know, life force of this circle of people that you never look outside of. So when they eventually cut you off, you're like in no man's land. What am I doing? And there's no one to talk to. And I'm not supposed to talk to these people who are worldly or demonic or whatever. Do you feel like Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult? I would say so, yeah. I mean, that's a definition of, you know, not letting you look outside of their, you know, beliefs. Um, so it was the fear of getting cut off, and I did get cut off. And then my idea was just, I'm going to just play this game. And, t I mean... It so that you could have a relationship with your parents. Right, and I knew as soon as I got reinstated, I was never stepping foot in that place again. And they can kind of go after you. I mean, they really can find out where you're at, what you're doing, and then and then disfellowship you or um, there's some other thing. I forget what it's called, but it's, it's not that. It's kind of what they do to people who have done bad stuff that go there or who have sinned that go there that aren't bab baptized. Um, yeah, you got married. You got disfellowshipped because she told what happened. You... Right, you played got, the game. Played the game. You got were back in, and as soon as I got, it was probably like six months that I did that. You know, I I would take the watchtower, is what they do, uh, read from or study in, and I would just take a highlighter and highlight. Didn't I would just underline like four sentences in each one of those things, so that when it was open and the elders were walking by in the aisles or anybody else who could see over my shoulder, it looked like I had studied for it. You know what I mean? So it looked like I had actually, you know. Did you have to, like, go to the Kingdom Hall to, like, earn being re Yeah, you'd have to. Yep, it, it's all okay. that. I mean, they're checking on you. They're checking on you. So I would have to go there, and, you know, as soon as no one would talk to you, so you just walk in. So you, I would always wait outside till I heard them singing and then go in. So right. I wouldn't have to feel embarrassed that I'm sitting or standing while they're all walking around and, Talking, talking other, right, fellowshipping, but not me, right, exactly. Good and then Lord. as soon as the last prayer was over and they amen, you know, I was gone. I was the first one out the door, but so I did that for a while, got reinstated, never went back again, never heard anything from them. I've lived my life the way that I wanted to since that moment, and nothing ever has come back, you know, to say okay. whatever, yeah. And how have you lived your life since that moment, um, your spiritual life? Pretty well, I'd say. What um, do you do with your time? I spent a while, like, trying to find my own path. You know, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to read that, and I'm going to make my own, you know, assumption or thought process on what this means and what it is and not let somebody, you know, What do you suit. mean by this? Like, uh, did you read? All what books the, did you read? I read uh, the... I'm going to say the title of it wrong. Gita. Say it again. Gita. Yep. And the Quran and the Torah and the Bible and the you pandish. Oh, Upshanats. Yes. Those <laughs> I'm not good at pronouncing. You're the them. only person that I have ever met that has read all of those things. Right. Uh, I, Which would, I think is pretty special. I would have not read the Bible from cover to cover, but I have read it. You've read more than I ever did. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. I read out of the little book for catechism class. Like, never sat and read the Bible. But I think that that is... Uh, I mean, you and I have gone to local universities uh, to speak to religion classes, and I think that was the reason why I first asked you to come with me. Because I knew that I was not very Bible versed, and I was 
fearful that I would have to, that I would get all this Bible stuff from students right. and I needed you there to like, what if, and you'd, you'd know it more and we have not had that experience, but I am always impressed at how much you do know, but I guess had to know about what's in Yeah, cause, I mean, I, I went at it seriously, you know, when I decided I'm going to make my own path, you know, I can figure this out if, you know, if there is a God and they created me, they gave me a mind, so I'm going to do this myself, you know, um, and I don't need to necessarily go by what the guy in the funny hat says or the guy in the suit or the guy who gets to be on stage with a pulpit, you know, that doesn't, it's a normal human being like I am. So, uh, I did that and I just came to the conclusion that all of them have a piece of it, but none of them have all of it. And there's some common, really common themes in all those things and, uh, parts where other, you know, old texts already tell this story, but a little bit differently, you know, it's just like, it's just like the revamped version of it, you know, instead of it being Moses, it's going to be Jesus this time or, you know, whatever you want to apply it's, that to. Sure. Most of the things I reference are going to be from the Bible just because I was raised as a Christian. Sure. But I did take that time to, you know, read through the other ones and I found them all interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, I didn't do it begrudgingly. I just really wanted to see what everybody, you know, was talking about on all these other, I also read some. Uh, book on Buddha, but I can't remember what exactly that book was called. And philosophers, you know, G.I. Gurdjieff, uh, uh, P.D. Alpinsky, I think is his name, um, Jerumvalo Melchizedek, uh, got real into the sacred flower of life and geometry and sacred geometry. Um, so I was already poised in this, like, spot where I felt like there's something out there, but nobody's really describing it correctly. And, and too many people are like wasting a lot of time on dedicating their life on this one thing and not being, and they're kind of putting blinders on. I feel like that you're not looking outside your box ever. So how would you really know what's going on? And I also felt like, you know, humanity or me being human means that I have a heart and mind to judge things, you know, to use as a compass, you know, to not be like, oh, I can't make any of these decisions without so-and-so's help or some deity's help or not that that's a bad thing, but when you become, that's the only thing, who are you at that moment? What are you actually doing to get through your life? Things are difficult sometimes, and sometimes people need that extra spiritual, you know, beyond what they know help. Um, But I just feel like basing all that on whether you do good things or, or, or bad things is because, you know, a good side has high hopes for you and the bad side has high hopes for you. You know, I don't feel like it's like that. I feel like some people are born with crazy chemical overloads in their brain and they don't actually, you know, they will murder people or they will rape people. And it ain't Satan. No, I, no, absolutely not. The only monster or demon I've ever seen has been covered in flesh, you know? Um, And I'm all for trying to figure that stuff out. I don't have the answers in it, but I don't think there's enough evidence for us to have an answer on it. It's just got to be one of those things that you just got to say you don't know, and that's probably why they call it supernatural, because it's beyond our comprehension of the natural world. So I'm, I'm really interested in that stuff, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about what, what is actually happening or where we actually came from or what our purpose is here. I feel like 
your purpose is what you make of it. I feel like you have this time frame, and if you don't think about heaven or hell or some afterlife, whatever it is, it makes you focus on the moment. And then this is precious. Then this is important. You know, then this world does matter and, and how I treat my neighbor matters. And if you think about energy, the more people who are happy, the more happy energy there is that you get to soak in. So if you had a community of happy people, I mean, I just feel like everybody in there would be soaking in the happiness. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like a drum circle, man. Everybody, you know, if they're playing that, they're, they're usually smiling about it, you know? Um, yeah, so then um, I started teaching um, lessons about a instru uh, musical instrument. and um, You're going to be very vague about this mu musical instrument for now. Right. Okay. Well, we don't have to be. I mean, it was the drums that I was teaching. Um, but then you came. Yes, I did. Yeah. And um, I hired you to play the drums. You did. <laughs> Back in New York, if you needed a drummer for a ritual, you know, I could throw out one rock and hit three drummers because somebody always usually had one, you know, um, and could carry a beat. In the beginning of, you know, our, our community, which eventually then became coming to, I could not find anybody that knew how to keep a beat for ritual purposes. Um, and people would try. I'm not going to say that they didn't try, but uh, it was rough. And we had this big Pagan Pride Day ritual to do, and I just thought, man, it would be so cool to have drums, but nobody knows how to drum. And it's driving around, and I just heard it in my ear. Ask Braxis. And I almost like careened off the road, like, that's such a great idea. But then I realized I have to then tell him for what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my kid's drum teacher, and I might ruin this. And his first drum teacher had already been ruined. So, like, you were the last shot of, of him having a, a teacher. But I figured if I, if I, if I wave 50 bucks, I might not care. Looks right. like the type that might not care. Might look at me weird. Who's, you know, not the first person looking me weird. I think I was in a real good spot to, to do that because I had kind of just given up on all of that and just knew that for me, whatever was, you know, supernatural or spiritual was with inside of myself. You know, I would have, I'd have to find that by looking inward with meditation and stuff. And I always had this weird, like, um, kind of interest in the devil. You know, I mean, like what, what person sees the evidence Now we don't see the evidence, you know, God's not standing right in front of us or whatever, but here's a deity or a, a creature that did and still decided, eh, I'm going to go my own route here. Now I, I believe they work together because you know, the, he gave him his own realm, you know what I mean? <laughs> Something's going on, right? And then yeah. it's used to kind of shame or guilt people or fear them into, oh my gosh, I got, which I, I really hate because it seems like what some people do good wise mm -hmm. is so that they can get into heaven or so that, oh, there's my little chalk up for the good side and, and God saw that and everything. Or the opposite of, oh, I don't want to do that because I might go to hell. 
But if you don't believe in those two things and you're still doing what I would want done to me or, or treat people how I would want to be treated, I feel like there's something there. You know, I feel like you're not being paid off one way or the other to treat people a certain way. Uh, yeah, so anyways, I went to a ritual and it was awesome. Um, it, you know, had to do with earth. I, I mean, I was kind of comparing it to my religious experience, which was sitting and listening to somebody talk about, you know, this book, you know, and their interpretation of that book. And I went to a few other um, churches after that, just random, just look in the yellow pages and find one and go, okay, that's nearby. I'm going there. It's at 10 a.m. And I'd go there and it just all seemed like the exact same thing to me. And so this was like a whole new world, man, a whole new world where we were outside, we were dealing with nature. Um, I had always, you know, heard from, you know, the Christian side of paganism. That's pagan. They're pagans and heathens. <laughs> and so having that kind of like interest in well, what's the devil's kind of view, it made me even more interested in here's this, you know, the icon of angst, basically pagans, you know. So then, <laughs> so once I found that out, I, I kind of said, you should check this out and see what's, you know, what's what and decide this for yourself like you did the other books right, and stuff. Right. Um, and you know, I'm just comparing that to what they've always said. But, you know, Satan was not involved in any of the no. rituals. No one got killed. There was no blood sacrifice. Unlike the Passover, right? Memorial Day, they're passing around Jesus' flesh and his blood. I mean, I don't know what else you're supposed to make of that. But um, there was none of that. Um, everybody had a part in it, which I thought was really cool. Um, I, I think there is just something ancient and primal and embedded in us that your mind kind of goes, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. Or for me, it did anyway. Yeah, no, and then I once it started sure. happening, it was like sure. all the gears started turning. That was the uh, Corn King. Yes, it was. And I did tap you for the, the drums, but I remember the, uh, you know, so I built that like, Eight foot. How big is that thing? Eight, nine feet tall. Corn. Yeah, I think it was about corn nine feet king. tall. And uh, I remember getting like a text from you about the structure of it. And I was like, oh, somebody wants to help build this thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that, was a, that was a fun one. But I just thought maybe you'd come to one, you'd drum once, made some money. And that would be it. That was not it. That was not it. Like, I do remember when you were like, I'm going to do this for one year. Just to see, yeah. yeah. Just to so see then you came to, I think your, you did Pride Day, but then you your your year was uh, Samhain. Mm -hmm. Samhain to Samhain. And a Samhain. Whew, you can't leave after a Samhain. I mean, that's... A, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, don't, I didn't miss uh, another ritual for several years after that, man. Several years was that every one of them. And I, it was really an escape from the mundane, which I never felt like when I, I always felt judged and shameful and guilty oh, sure. walking I into felt like a, that in church. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they call them kingdom halls, but yeah. Right. Your kingdom hall of mine was feeling like a bad girl in the pew at church. Right. And everybody's like judging you and looking at you. And you know in your own 
mind that these are all humans I'm looking at. So I know you're masturbating just as much as I am, dude. So why? <laughs> what's up with the fucking looks and shit? You know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny how they all admit they're sinners, but then you know, punish you for being you know a sinner. It's there's no there's no win to it, and that's what they like. I think that's where the control is at. There is no. We have made things that humans desire on a subconscious fucking level sins. Right. So there is no way out of that. You are going to sin. And then if you sin, you're going to feel go to hell. Then you're going to feel guilty. You know, it's endless, man. It's endless. So do you consider yourself now pagan? Because I know you don't label yourself as a, as a witch like I do. Right, I, I probably would say that. I probably yeah. would say that. Um, and the other thing is, is you know, all the things that we do, I'm not required to one hundred percent believe this. You yeah, know what I, I mean? Know. In any sort of way, shape, or form. So it's nice to be able to look at something and go, you know, to, to connect dots. So I see why they did this, and it, it's cool that this God did this, and I see why somebody would say that. And wow, this is beautifully written, and these are, you know, some entities or uh collective conscious ideas that people have had over thousands of years so it's it's interesting to be involved in that without you know having to feel like i've got to give up my life for you know whatever and and then never really experiencing any of the other things i have no problem going to any temple tabernacle place of worship whatever and experiencing that at least one time you know Something must keep you. I mean, you have been... I think because it's so different than what I was raised on. I mean, and, and we actually do shit. I mean, we have, you know, donated clothes and have gone to rallies and, you know, protests. And uh, we never did that. We, you know, poor were never talked about. I never got together. The only time we got together was to build another fucking kingdom hall, you know, so... <laughs> So there's a community thing that you like or social justice yeah. aspect. Yes, it's that... not just about me in this tight circle. It's about everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was an aspect of it that I, I really liked. And that I guess the openness of, you know, one member who was there would be following, you know, Hecate and another would be, um, you know, under Bridget and another would be into Druids and another would just came to come. And I I loved that there wasn't any, you know, trying to prove the other person wrong because that's exactly what happens when you get, you know, most religious people together. All of a sudden they got to argue about who's right who's and right. who's wrong. My right. invisible thing can beat up your invisible thing. You know, that kind of <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> So it was very nice to go and just have all these people get in a room and if you got something out of it, awesome. And if you didn't, then you don't have to come back next time, you know, I mean, right. it's, or, or come whenever you want to, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. I, there's no guilt or fear or shame, you know, stuff that I kind of already figured out about just being human and you are built with five senses. So why wouldn't you explore your world of pleasure with those five senses that your deity supposedly gave to you to experience this world? But all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh, no, don't, you know, I'm going to give you this cool button and you're going to feel real good when you touch it, but don't you dare touch it. You know, it's just, (laughs) 
or you got to be, you know, just all their little rules and things yeah. that just make life a lot harder than it needs to be, man. And there's no proof for any of it. There's no proof for any of it. And if you start looking really deep, you start to see contradictions. You know, you start to see things that just don't add up. Um, and again, I'm just like focusing that on. This is your experience. Yeah. Right. And the reality it. of this, of the world that I'm in, that I know it is, I don't see that stuff happening around. So it seems very strange that it did happen in the first place, but also even stranger that supposedly it happened, you know, way back when, when I have no way to, you know, check, fact check that, you know, yeah. that's, that seems really convenient to me. <laughs> and it's all, and it's changed over, you know, it used to be an eye for an eye and then it turned into turn the other cheek. And, and now you've got just an America that is like God, family and country. And if you, break that down i don't i don't know if that really <laughs> goes together you know mm. um i don't remember jesus fighting over his country at any point in time no. or making a big deal about it oh, you know and i think jesus said some or yeshua if we want to get technical yeah. i i think that he said some great things but um it doesn't mean that I, we would have been animals had we he not ever said any of those things because i mean truthfully egyptian gods and goddesses said things like very similar to that you know thousands a year before that so it i don't feel like any of us really w needs a icon of morality i feel like when you were growing up in a tribe well i'm not going to steal from my other tribes well first of all because everything we got is ours Right. Nobody's owning anything. Um, so you don't want to fight with the people you're going to eat with. You're going to hunt with. You're going to sleep with. You're going to try to survive with. So you're not going to steal their stuff. You're not going to fuck his girlfriend. You're not going to kill his mom. You know what I mean? It's just these basic rules of surviving together. You know, it kind of makes me think about like a, a that whole one week at a festival how everybody can just sort of like survive together and take care of each other. And you can leave your stuff sitting over there all night long and it's still there in the morning. And mm -hmm. there's a nice little group of people over here that have got some stuff and they'll share it with you. And then this lady over here is going to watch your kid. And it's like this little utopia for yes, for a week. I'm sure there would be, you know, you spend your whole time at a place at a, at a pagan festival, there would have to be some kind of rules and laws and ways that problems would be handled because we're humans and there would be problems eventually. Sure. That's... But it, it's sort of like this when one of the things I love about going to a week long festival like that, like the Starwood festival that we've attended and you've attended now for, is this going to be your seventh year? I think so. I think so. In a row. It's sort of what shows you it's possible because mm -hmm. there's lots of different people there. I mean, it's the pagan umbrella is huge. You know, it is not really a pagan festival in itself, but lots of people are. But everybody can just do themselves. <laughs> they can do themselves. Nice. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like, do their thing. And it's cool. And it's accepted. And it is cool to be a go. part of that, man. To know that you're at a place where... One guy can walk down the street with a unicorn hat on and a, you know, banana around his wiener <laughs> and high heel boots on. Right. 
and turn around and there's a, a wizard walking down the road with the, the staff. And to know that, I mean, it's it's almost like a tear-jerking thing to oh, think sure. that I'm here with these people and I'm sending out the vibe that I accept you. And they're sending out the vibe of thank you. Mm-hmm. Now I get to be a wizard or a guy in high heels yeah. with a banana, yeah. uh, a unicorn. Uh, the little blue wings and just whatever rock it, it all is. night long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you, Nugget. No, I get it. So. <laughs> I forgot we called him Nugget. <laughs> thank you, Nugget. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's It gives you kind of hope for humanity, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, oh, it sure it does. And it kind of helps you for the next year, you know, reel in all. I mean, the world's got shit in it. Everybody's got fucking problems, you know, but right. it, not one of those problems get made better by telling someone they're wrong about something or, uh, I don't know, just being so on a high horse that you can't see your own feces. Is that how it goes? And I usually don't go around telling people what I believe. If you ask me, then I feel like it's my prerogative to say, this is what I believe. If you come to the assumption that what you believe is different from me, so it's wrong, that's, that's just different. You know what I mean? As long as your thoughts and beliefs don't interfere in my life and mine don't interfere in yours... I think we all have the right to believe however we want to. I'm right. not trying Doesn't to say... Doesn't really change anything. Right. We're all still human beings. We all still want to be cuddled up at night and safe and fed and laugh. We are all kind of this one thing. Maybe it's all one consciousness and we're just little like fish lures that got caught into it, you know, and now we have to act out our parts of being Maybe. connected to this frequency. I had a conversation with uh, my younger son the other day about language. It's just reminding me of this, you know, like he was like, we were interpreting uh, Chinese poetry and they were looking at the characters to the written words to the literal translation of the characters to the translation to English. And he just was like, why can't everybody speak English? Wouldn't it be so much easier? And I was just like, well, why? that would be so boring. You know, if everybody was the same, it would be so boring. If everybody spoke the same language and had the same color skin, it would be so boring. So why can't we, you know, just respect all our differences and be cool with it? You know, like uh, the Festival of Fates that happens once a year. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful day. It's not about our differences. It's just about, you know, the celebrating diversity. What is the big deal that we're believe different things? I can't wrap my brain around it. I really don't. And out of all the wars that have been fought for invisible different things... No one has ever shown up and been like, aha! I was here. Right. I am. <laughs> True. True. Nobody's done that. So now you find yourself as a sage in a coven mm-hmm. instead of going door to door. Mm-hmm. It's it's very refreshing, man. I feel like there's just 
for anybody, I feel like who grows up in that religion and thinks that your your parents magically somehow had the right religion and you just got born into it. Oh, what luck! Um, <laughs> it takes a minute to unscrew the screws, but once you do that, you can, it's a whole new life. It's a whole new thing. There's no judgment involved and. I don't feel like I need to look in a book to find out if something's right or not. If I can feel it in my heart of what is right, I feel like it's telling me that. Um, I feel like your heart's a pretty good compass to go by, especially when you, and I know Jesus said this, but it's kind of just the thing that we're all human, you know? So you would just treat people how you would want to be treated. It's kind of the way I go about it. I think you're pretty good at that. So and that's why everybody likes you. Yay. Yay. Well, that was a lot about me. It was, but that's what this podcast mm -hmm. was, us figuring out how to use the app. And I can't wait till and, after uh, this when we talk about other things. To say, so. I know, I know. We just had to get this one out of the way. Should we have another song? Sure. All right. Um, What's this one going to be? Are, are we going to say goodbye after this song or are we saying goodbye right now? Because if so, I was going to say thanks for listening. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. And we're going to have a next podcast. It's going to be about tea and Braxis's favorite magical witchy pagan movies. Okay. And we have to rank them. Should we do like our top five? Is that enough? Sure. Well, let's... Because that would be ten. Let's say top five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. We're going to do our top five, and we have to... And so why. give me the uh, critique or the, the breakdown, I suppose, of the movie. Say it again, your top... Your top five, like, witchy, pagan, weird. Okay. Because I know you're going to come up with, like, the weird. I know okay. what your number one is. All right. Okay. I already know. I'm not going to spoil it. Right. I already know. Okay. okay. <laughs> but, so it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know... The sure. movie was about witches, so therefore... It can be just, like, what is this? Paganism, witchcraft, music, the occult... And whatever else we want. I'm done. So if they those five movies fall in that, okay, and our five movies will fall in that. Right. And, and so we'll then we come it. back and just discuss them a little bit. Yeah, like what your your five to one and why? why. Okay. And your maybe your favorite part or the reason why it made your list. All right. Sounds good. I think I can do That'll that. That'll be fun. And then in the future, I also want to just so people know, we're gonna we're gonna do a series of witches in the trenches. Lots of podcasts interview our book authors, which is super important. And I love those podcasts. I love to listen to them and hear the author's take on stuff and why they wrote the book and about writing the book. But I also want to hear from the non-authors, the people that are out in their community doing the work uh, that have not written a book um, and give them a little bit of a occasional spotlight to come up out of what they do and talk about what they do. So something to look forward to. Are you going to pick the next song? Um, sure. What's it called? Parenchyma. Yeah. Which is milk. milk. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I got it. All right. Thanks for listening.
Hello, T-Rex. Hi, Braxis. 